1: Psalm 92 in your Bible this morning, it's great to be here. I love you, Pastor, and I love this ministry. It is amazing what the Lord is doing. I called home a while ago. Of course, we're three hours ahead of you. How was it? old Pastor, greatest day we've had in years. People say, people join the church, packed out. They don't miss me. So I'm joining North Valley today, and I'm going to give $10 a month to the Gideon Fund. Amen. I'm sorry, a week, a week, a week, a week, a week, and I appreciate it so very much, and I'm so glad to have Mrs. Arthur with me, and uh, she's so pretty, and I'm glad to have her. She makes me look good, and I appreciate the goodness of the Lord, and if you're glad you're saved, say amen. Amen. Turn to somebody to do your right and say you're beautiful today. You really are. You're absolutely beautiful. Now, I'll turn to somebody to your left and say, you ugly, but I love you anyway, praise <laughs> God. I can't believe it's the men that fall for that. That's, I was preaching in Knoxville the other day, and I came in, and a guy had his arm around this lady, and I said, hey, buddy, I said, is that your, is that your sweetheart? He said, no, nah, it's my wife. <laughs> Needless to say, it was real cold, the rest of that church. But I'm looking forward to being with you tonight. And Monday and Tuesday, and the Lord is good. If you got your Bible, hold it up real high, wave it around a little bit. And aren't you glad this is the Word of the living God? Psalm 92 in your Bible this morning. And I love the psalm that we're going to read from. We're not going to read the entire psalm, but I'll spot read it. To give you a jest of the text, look in verse number one, Psalm ninety-two, verse one. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto Thy name, O Most High, to show forth Thy loving kindness in the morning and Thy faithfulness every night. I'm glad it is a good thing to sing the song unto the Lord. Look, if He will, in verse number ten, but my horn Shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. And Say this little phrase out loud with me. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I'm glad there's strength in the Lord. Look at what it says in verse number 12. It said, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall do what? Flourish in the courts of our God. I get, I love verse number fourteen. And they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. The older I get, the more I love that verse. And the bigger I get, I love the last part of this verse. They shall be Fat. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, thin is in, but fat is where it's at, praise God. <laughs> and they shall be fat, say it with me, and flourishing, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Amen. We come to this psalm, and the psalmist has come through the fight of his life. He has gone through an emotional, physical, spiritual battle. But yet, on the other side of the struggle, he is not less of a Christian. He's not a weaker believer. He has just not held on and survived it. But he uses a word three times in the text, the word flourishing. He has not just survived the battle, he has thrived in the midst of the battle. And from the Psalm, i want to preach for a while this morning on flourishing in the fight. Flourishing in the fight. Not just holding on, not just surviving, not just enduring to the end, but thriving and growing and being blessed and flourishing in the midst of the conflicts of life. And by the way, this morning we all know that the Christian life is not a vacation, it is a warfare, it is a battle. We wrestle against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of spiritual darkness in high places. And I believe the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more intensified the struggle, the battle, is going to be. But can I remind the church this morning that we're not some anemic, ragtag army. We are the body of Christ. We are the church of the firstborn. And we're not on the side that is going to win. We're on the side that is already won. And there's not defeat in Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus Christ. Three things in the psalm that causes you and I not just to survive, but flourish in the fight. Verses 1 and verse 2 we read, number 1, we have a song. We have a song. You know what causes a child of God to flourish in the midst of the conflict? Praise God, we have a song, a song of victory, a song of thanksgiving, a song of praise and adoration unto the Lord. He begins the psalm by saying, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto God's high and holy and honorable and blessed name. Let me say this tonight. A lot of people that are saved may not have fame and fortune. But there's one thing that we have because we've been redeemed and our sins have been forgiven We have a song. We were down in the miry clay. And the Lord inclined unto us and heard our cry. And his saving hand reached further down than we could reach up. And he pulled us out of the miry clay. And he set our feet upon a rock. And he established our going. And he put a new song in our mouth. Even praise unto our God. I'm glad we have a song. Let me tell you about Christians. We're the singingest outfit you've ever seen in your life. We'll sing at the drop of a hat and drop a hat to get to sing. Because we have something to sing about. The very first recorded song in the Bible is in Exodus 15. You know what happens in Exodus 15? God delivers Israel by a strong hand. At the Red Sea. And the reason why that's the first recorded song in the Bible is because up to that point, they didn't have anything to sing about. Because for 400 plus years, they were slaves and strangers and in bondage in the land of Egypt. Oh, but the Lamb's blood was shed, and the Lamb's blood was sufficient, and the Lamb's blood was supplied, and God redeemed them by the blood of the Lamb, and defeated Pharaoh and his army, and they stood on the other side of the sunny banks of sweet deliverance, and began to sing a song of praise unto the Lord. Before we were saved, we were in our sin, lost and undone, headed to a devil's hell, but when we trusted Christ, and the blood of the sinless, spotless Lamb of God and He emancipated us from the chains of sin and rolled away the reproach of sin and lifted us out and saved our soul and redeemed us by His blood through His amazing grace. He gave us something to sing about. Our sins have been forgiven. Our past has been erased. We need emancipated from the chains of sin. I say strike the chord. Sing another verse. Thank God we We've got something to sing about. We have a song. God's people have sung their way through Egypt. They've sang their way through Babylon. They've sang their way through storms and troubles and trials and persecution. And I've read the last chapter. I've read the back of the book. And when you see the ransom church of the living God in the new Jerusalem, guess what they're doing? They're singing again. They're singing a song. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and power and honor. I'm glad we have a song. The battle's been hot and the valley's been deep and the mountain has been high and the burden has been heavy and some through the water and some through the flood and some through the fire but all through the blood, some through great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night seasons and all the day long. It sings in the desert, it sings in the night, it sings on the battlefield, it sings when you're happy. It sings when you're sad. It sings when you're lonely, when you're persecuted, when you're forsaken, when you're discouraged, when you're disappointed. No matter what comes our way, there's a song in our heart, a praise and adoration to God. I say, let's sing it again, that we belong to Christ and Christ belongs to us. We have a song. And because of that song, we flourish in the fight. Number two, look in verse number 10. Now, I don't know if we have a song in the battle, but we have strength in the battle. Oh, you know where our strength comes from? Not just to survive, but thrive and flourish in the midst of the conflict. Our strength comes not from our abilities, not from our talents, not from our personalities, but our strength comes, in verse number 10, through the anointing of the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad that oil represents the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You say, how does the oil represent the person and work of the Holy Spirit? That's another subject in itself. But I would love to give you one example. You remember the parable Jesus gave of the virgins. And five were wise and five were foolish. And the only difference I can tell between the wise and the foolish was not how they were dressed. Because they all had on wedding garments. Not how they were acting because they were all there at a wedding. Not for their motives. They were all there for the same reason. The only difference between the saved and the lost was the lost didn't have any oil and the saved had the oil. The wise had the oil. The foolish didn't have any oil. And at midnight the cry was made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And when the bridegroom came in the midnight hour, he wasn't looking for who had on the prettiest wedding dress. The only thing that mattered in the midnight hour, whether they had oil or not. And those that had the oil, they got to go. Those who didn't have the oil, they got left behind. You say, Brother Joe, can you tell us today who was saved and who was not? I sure can. You're kidding. I can tell you exactly who is saved and who's not. Them that have the oil is, them that ain't got the oil ain't. You say, Brother Joe, can you tell us who's going to heaven and who's not? I sure can. The saved are going to heaven, and the lost, they're not going to heaven. Brother, we're on the threshold of the sounding of the trumpet, the announcement from the glory world. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And when the bridegroom Jesus Christ comes in the midnight hour, the only thing that's going to matter is whether you're saved or not. And the difference between you and a lost person is this. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside. And when Jesus comes, that spirit in me will identify with the spirit of him. And we're leaving this world of sin and sorrow. I'm glad for the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says in this text. My horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. That unicorn there is not that crazy looking horse you see with a stick stuck out the top of his head. That's Disney. That's not Bible. The little word unicorn in this text refers to an ox in the Bible. A male ox in the Bible. You know what an ox was? He was a beast. Of servitude. All he did his life was pull loads and carry burdens, pull loads and carries burdens. But one day he pulls his last load and he carries his last burden and he lays down and he dies. The fowls of the air come and pick his flesh and there's nothing left but the remains, the skeleton, and the skull. But you know what a shepherd would do? A shepherd would come by. And he would cut the horn of that ox off of his skull. He would hollow it out and use it as a vessel to pour his fresh oil into. And he would keep that horn of oil in his scrip, in his shepherd's bag. And when one of his little sheep were wounded and hurt, He would pull that sheep up to himself, lay it across his shoulders, put its head across its chest so the sheep can hear the heartbeat of the shepherd. Then he would reach in that script and get that horn of oil and he would pour that oil on the head of the little sheep. That's what David had in mind in the shepherd's psalm. In Psalm 23, thou anointest my head with oil And that horn was literally a vessel to be a blessing to wounded sheep. Out of all the things that little, mm, I want to run right there. Out of all the things that ox had done in his servitude. All the loads he had carried. All the burdens he had pulled. His greatest effort. His greatest service was when the shepherd exalted his horn and filled his empty, void horn with fresh oil. You say, what has that got to do with us? I'll tell you what it's got to do with us. Sometimes the burdens and the trials and the storms of life wear us down and wear us out. But aren't you glad there's a shepherd that can come to your weary place and come to my weary place and lift us out of the dust and lift us off of the ground and lift up our head and pour in our empty world fresh anointing and fresh strength and fresh power and use us to be a blessing to others. I'm glad there is a fresh anointing of God's Holy Spirit available to every child of God that will call upon the Lord and trust him for the fresh oil of the Spirit of God. You say, I don't think I can take another lick. I don't think I can take another heartache. I don't think I can take another setback. I want to tell you, there's a shepherd in your wilderness. He will come to you, he will lift you up, and you'll take the fresh oil of his Holy Spirit and he'll pour it in, and you can be anointed with the fresh oil of the power of God in our life. I want to tell you how the church has survived all these decades, and the flag still waves, and the song still sings, and we're still on the side that's already won because there's been a strength, there's been a power, there has been an authority, and it's not on our talents and our abilities and our personalities, but it's through the fresh anointing of the oil of the Holy Spirit. I was preaching one night in Jacksonville, Florida on the Spirit-filled life. And I made the pastor, I made the pastor mad right in the middle of my sermon. I didn't know he didn't believe in the Holy Ghost. I thought all Christians believed in the Holy Ghost. And, And I made him mad And so the next morning, he came to my hotel to take me to the airport. Boy, it was a long, cold ride. And I got ready to get out of the car. He said, oh, by the way, Dr. Arthur, before you get out of the car, I want you to know, I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. And I said, well, before I get out of the car, I want you to know, I believe it enough for me and you both. And I said, I also want you to know, if you don't want your blessing, pass it down my way. I'll take a double portion of it. I'm not saying this to be rude or ugly, but that man is no longer even in the ministry. You know what his problem was? He thought he could do it without God. He thought he could do it in his own power and his own strength. But what a blessing for us to know today when our strength fails, when our talents fail, when our abilities fail, there is a God that wants to pour in your life and in mine strength and power and authority to the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. And that anointing is our birthright as a child of God. We have a song in the battle. We have strength in the battle. And then lastly this morning, the last two verses of our text, the child of God has something that causes us to flourish in the fight is we have a standing in the battle. Not only a song and not only strength, but we have a standing in the battle. Notice the analogy he uses in the last part of the text. He said the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And I thought, Lord, there's got to be a lesson there. If you take the palm tree and the the cedars of Lebanon, there's got to be something there. And I found it out. You know what was special about those cedars in Lebanon? No matter how high their trunks went this way, their roots went farther down that way. In other words, they had more on the inside than they had on the outside. You know what caused those cedars of Lebanon to stand? The roots would go so deep they would wrap around the rock. And when the wind blows, the cedar of Lebanon stands because it's rooted and grounded upon the rock. Does anybody here this morning know who that rock is that we're wrapped around and we're grafted to? This rock is Jesus and on Christ the solid rock, a firm foundation, and when the wind blows, we keep standing because Christ is our rock. Amen. Hallelujah. How firm a foundation. is saying so the Lord. And then he came to the palm tree. And I thought, what about this palm tree? I was in Florida a year or two ago, and, you know, they have some storms down there, some real storms. And I was reading where this man did a survey on what trees that withstood the storms the best. It wasn't the live oaks. They snapped like toothpicks. It wasn't the tall pines. They snapped like toothpicks. You know what this man said? He did a study. He said the trees that stood the storm the best was the palm tree. And he said here's why. He said they were created with the ability to bow down when the wind blows. They bowed down when the wind blows. He said this in the article. Like somebody worshiping God. And he said and when the wind quits blowing. They stand back up. And it's called a palm tree. Because it looks like it has palms lifted. In praise. And adoration. He said that palm tree stands the storm. Because it bows like a worshiper. When the wind blows and when the wind quits blowing, it stands back up and waves its palms at the creator like he's saying, thank you, you got me through the storm. Son, I read that, and I took my bed in my hotel, and I transformed it into a trampoline and had me a spell. I can't do that when my wife is with me. She's Presbyterian. <laughs> Boy, I was having me a worship service, and I love it when I disturb everybody, and they call the office, and the office calls me, hello, sir. Is everything okay in there? It's great. Sounds like it's more than one occupant. It's four of us. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, and me. Sounds like you're having a celebration. We are. Because I want to tell you when the storms and the winds of adversity blow against our life, here's what we do. We bow down and worship God. Understand it or not. Like it or not. Explain it or not. He is still holy. He is still sovereign. He is still eternal. And He is worthy of our praise. And we bow at Him. And we worship Him. And we adore Him. And when the storm quits blowing, we stand back up and lift our palms and praise the God. Say Thank you, Lord. You got me through another storm. Because Christ is our rock. I don't know what kind of battle you're facing. What kind of fight you've been through. But sing on, child of God. Your sins have been forgiven. Strengthen yourself in the power of God's anointing fresh oil of the Holy Spirit. And stand in the Lord Jesus Christ and lift your palms. And saying, I'm not on the side that's going to win. I'm on the winning side right now. Because Christ is our rock. You don't have to hold on and just survive. You can thrive. You can flourish in the fight. Because in the words of the great apostle, if God be for us, who can be against us? And on the other side of that coin, it doesn't matter who's for you. If God's against you, it doesn't matter And I'm glad we that are saved, he is for us. And I'm glad we can flourish in the fight. Why don't we ask God today for strength and power and victory that only he can give.